welcome to Zephyr Podcast Sessions with your host, me, Scott Howland. To find out more about Zephyr and how we're helping leading brands and businesses with customer journey orchestration, visit www.zephr.com. Today we've got uh, Julian Thorne of the Big Wheel Consultancy joining us on the the Zephyr podcast sessions. Julian, hey, great to have you on the show and uh, it would be great if you could just introduce yourself. Well, as you said, Scott, um, my name is Julian Thorne. I'm the founder and owner of the Big Wheel Consultancy. Um, I started the company six years ago to help any business or organisation grow their recurring revenues via membership or or the subscription business model. so we work with most of the UK's leading magazine newspaper publications, partly because my own background is in media, but we also work with traditional membership organisations as well as startup businesses looking to grow their recurring revenues. And uh, I set the consultancy up to offer strategic and marketing consultancy as well as data analytics and forecasting services. And, but it's all focused on the recurring revenue business model. Nice. And obviously, I, I, I guess uh, in today's kind of economy, there's a, there is a kind of recurring relationship, recurring revenue kind of model going on right now, right? And it's getting, I guess, more and more um, common in the, in, the, in the business use cases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, recurring revenue is one of the fastest growing business models out there, partly you... driven by poster charts like Netflix and Spotify from the consumer side, but also investors really starting to understand uh, the values of recurring revenues, especially when you loan a business money. Uh, so it's great to be able to uh, talk to you today. And um, I hopefully today what we're going to learn about, and I had a s- quick sneak peek at this the other day when we were having a conversation, is lifetime value. And I hear you're somewhat of an expert. <laughs> That's not, nice of you to say so, Scott. I think if you work in recurring revenues, you have to understand lifetime value. Um, so I'd be fraudulent if I claimed I was a recurring revenue expert without understanding lifetime value. So hopefully I can uh, talk about it with some knowledge. No, that's great. That's great. So uh, I'm going to ask you the question. Let's see how simple we can get an answer. What is lifetime value? <laughs> uh, in very simple terms, it's the total customer revenue over the course of a customer's relationship with a company minus the cost of acquiring that customer and then serving that customer. So there's a little equation there. <laughs> um, and uh, no, that's, uh, that's a good start. Uh, so just go over that. Can you just take us through that step-by-step at all and what that means? Yeah, sure. So the total customer revenue uh, that a customer creates over their, the lifetime of their relationship with a business is in essence, all the money that they spend with that business. So if it's a very successful recurring revenue model, uh, every year or every period, uh, customers will increase the amount of money they spend with you on average. So their average uh, revenue per user or ARPU, um, they will increase that. Uh, the difficult bit, I suppose, is determining uh, how long a customer's going to be with you or uh, predicting how long the customer is going to be with you if you're trying to anticipate or forecast future lifetime value. If you're looking at past lifetime value, um, you can only really calculate that after the customer's left because then you know that they've gone. Um, 
So in, in terms of how useful lifetime value is, it's often essential to use cohorts to look at cohorts of different customers. So the revenue is one element and then the cost of acquiring a customer. So the marketing cost uh, that you um, invest in acquiring a customer is part of the lifetime value. Uh, that's on the cost side. Uh, and then serving the customer is the cost of producing the goods or the service that the customer is buying from you. Um, so if it was a magazine subscription, so a print subscription, that would be postage, printing the magazine, wrapping the magazine and sending it out would be some elements of the cost of serving that customer. But it's, it's, it's sometimes the acquisition cost is left out of the lifetime value model. Uh, and that's a mistake. You should always include the cost of uh, lifetime value. And sometimes people only calculate the revenue and not the cost of serving the customer. Uh, so it's important to include the revenue, but minus the cost of acquiring and of servicing that customer. I think that uh, one of those things that 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 equation it simplifies it and it, it gives that understanding. So what I'm guessing going from there. Is there an ideal kind of model, uh, LTV versus cost of acquisition? Is that something that you, you, you've seen out there? Yeah, I think, um, well, it's, it's quite, quite well known often in investment circles that the lifetime value, in other words, the revenue minus the cost of serving the customer, should be at least three times the cost of acquisition. And there is the confusion. So when I talk about lifetime value, I'm saying you have to include the acquisition cost. Um, but sometimes people refer to the lifetime value as only the revenue and the cost of serving that customer. And then they say, if that is the case, then that value that customer is creating has got to be three times the cost of acquiring. them. Um, so that does create some confusion around what lifetime value means um, when people try to come up with that ratio. It's a useful ratio. Uh, but it's a slightly different way of calculating lifetime value because it's only the revenue minus the cost of serving that customer. So for my pea brain, um, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to try and put this into my simple terms. So you're looking at kind of a, if you spend, I don't know, you're getting 30 pounds from that that customer, you spent 10 pounds to acquire them. Yep, that would be three to one. So let's, let's just do it in, you haven't got a pre brain scott let's just do it <laughs> so if, if we had a customer that was spending a hundred pounds with you um but it cost you 10 pounds to send the product out so you were making 90 pounds in margin yeah 100 yep. minus 10 uh and you'd spent 30 pounds acquiring that customer yep. then 90 divided by 30 is three yep. so you're making three times the cost of acquiring that customer that's the three to one ratio that a lot of investment companies uh, or people that are looking to uh, invest in startups are looking for something that's going to generate a three to one ratio of uh, revenue minus cost over acquisition. Nice. Does it does make sense completely. What is the, I don't know, maybe you can anonymize this and it's probably right to anonymize this, but what is the, the best um, LTV to, to, cost of acquisition that you've seen oh yeah it's a, a, a very a very good question um it comes back to the point about cohorts actually so if you look at customers across an entire business ltv ltv divided by customer acquisition cost that's useful for you to understand the entire business's success but if you look at it by customer cohort some of the customers within 
a business might be, you know, 10, sometimes 20 to one, and others might be only uh, 1.5 to one. So it depends on the cohorts of customers. And where that's really useful is to work out what types of customer are generating you greater value than other types. And LTV is very powerful at enabling you to understand that a bit more. But it can vary massively to answer your question. No, though, that's really interesting. And obviously, that's something that uh, I, I, I guess is, is interesting in the way that people see that, what isn't healthy LTV to, to kind of cost of acquisition ratio and what's... Uh, was kind of a special one but obviously looking at um looking at the uh yeah the cohorts there it sort of makes sense because obviously you've got i guess some people that um yeah maybe don't convert as highly as others so obviously that would totally make sense and how that works um if you're taking that and i'm flipping this slightly now obviously there's somewhere an ltv might have been lower cost of acquisition higher it doesn't quite work what's the most common mistake you've seen around ltv i think the most common mistake is the how the how the company defines LTV is not fully understood by the decision makers within that company or the marketing managers within that company in, in a consistent way all the way through. So as we talked about earlier on, Scott, um, you know, LTV is calculated in the traditional sense by the total revenue generated by that customer over the lifetime with your business, which is interesting to look at, but in practical terms. If you're trying to work out how to spend your marketing budget, sort of almost a bit useless, actually, because when it comes to spending your marketing budget, you're trying to work out over what period of time you're going to make your money back. And if a customer's with you for, say, 30 years, uh, not many people have got a 30 year investment time frame. Uh, some people have, you know, if you're investing in infrastructure, maybe. But if you're selling a magazine subscription or a newspaper digital subscription, no one's going to wait 30 years, even though the customers might stay with you for 30 years. So understanding what LTV means as a shorthand in the business is and is commonly understood in the business um, is really important. That's often a mistake that people make. One, one marketing manager or marketing director or CMO is talking about LTV in one sense and the finance director is talking about it in a different sense. When that happens, you end up in a problem. So I always encourage people to think about LTV over a period of time, whatever the, the investment timeframe is for that business. So if the aim is to make your money back in three years, talk about customer lifetime value over a three year period from start to finish, from one year to year three. Don't talk about it over the lifetime of that customer because it's important to understand when you're going to get your marketing money back. So once that's established and you've got a an understood uh, way of talking about LTV, a commonly understood way of talking about LTV in a business, then it becomes quite powerful because you then say, okay, what's the return over um, a three-year LTV from us doing a TV campaign combined with a PPC campaign? What's the um, LTV of our customer cohort aged 45 to 55 as opposed to those aged 25 to 35? And as you start to understand that comparative LTV um, between different customer cohorts uh, or different marketing approaches, then you can make uh, quite informed marketing investment decisions about where you put your money in order to generate a return using customer LTV as a way of calculating that. Nice. 
I like that. And that was, uh, that was very concise because obviously I, I, <laughs> I know how, uh, I guess how long these, uh, these kind of conversations can go on for sometimes, especially trying to sync together, uh, finance, marketing, and all these kind of, um, uh, different teams and verticals within an organization. Um, yeah. I guess it's good to have that common understanding of LTV and understand that across the business. Yeah, no, that's true. I think if you haven't got a common language, you end up with misunderstandings. Um, <laughs> that's any business, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, um, we're hearing a lot at the moment about um, uh, subscriptions. So we're seeing a lot about propensity models um, to buy, to churn. How does this relate to LTV? Is it? Is it? Can it be taken into consideration? Does this go back to cohort side of things, or? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So if we take the customer acquisition cost, uh, the way of driving that down is to increase the propensity of your target market to subscribe to your product. Um, so understanding the potential conversion rates of your target market. Uh, is key to understanding how to reduce your uh, customer acquisition costs, which in turn feeds through into your lifetime value. So understanding that propensity is important. Um, so in, in the case of digital newspapers, for example, uh, it's often the case, not always the case, that people who subscribe to email newsletters uh, are more likely to have a high propensity to subscribe to the digital subscription than people that don't. Uh, and once you understand that, then it informs how much effort, resource, money you put into developing your email newsletter strategy, uh, because you know it's going to uh, decrease your acquisition costs and therefore increase your lifetime value. So again, it's about allocating scarce resources into the right place. Um, when it comes to propensity to churn, uh, out of all the numbers in the lifetime value model, uh, of which there are quite a few, um, the renewal rate is the most important one. It's the one that if you move it by a couple of percentage points uh, positively, uh, then it has a pretty big impact on the bottom line. So understanding what causes uh, churn and conversely what uh, leads to higher retention, two sides of the same coin, obviously, uh, is, is really key to being able to drive retention rates up. Uh, so understanding... Uh, often the correlations between customer behavior and higher retention. Um, and again, you know, using the same example, actually, customers that are paying for digital subscription products, but also regularly read their email newsletters, uh, tend to have a higher retention rate. Um, so in that particular example, investment in email newsletters would give you um, positive impacts on two elements within the lifetime value calculation. The first on reduced acquisition cost and the second on higher retention rates. Um, so understanding those uh, correlations between behaviours and outcomes is, uh, is, is very, very important when you're trying to develop your lifetime value model. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, it's quite interesting. You picked up renewal rate there as the, the most important lifetime value metric. I'm going to mm. flip that slightly. What in your opinion, is the most important part of the customer journey, though? Good questions. Uh, okay, Scott, so it's related to the retention rate. So of all the uh, elements in the retention rate, so people often look at, say, first-time retention rate, second-time retention rate, third-time retention rate. The most important one 
uh, of all of those is the first time retention rate for the seemingly obvious reason that if someone doesn't retain the first time they it's literally impossible for them to retain the second time so the first time retention rate is the most important one uh, and the thing that has often the biggest impact generally so it's just as a generalism is the experience that the customer has during the welcome and onboarding process so when they first join a business as a customer what their their first impression is so if their first impression is a very positive one it tends to lead to high retention rates even if that retention decision is made a year later uh, or sometimes you know longer than that the first impression is vital if the first impression is weak uh, the company is already on the back foot in that relationship with the customer if the first impression is strong uh, then uh, the relationship with the customer tends to be strong as well and that tends to be reflected in higher retention rates the great thing about analyzing your welcome and onboarding program is it it forces companies to uh, understand the sort of intersection between their acquisition marketing and their retention marketing so i don't know about you scott but i've often come across uh, marketing teams where the acquisition marketeers are heavily incentivized on to acquire new customers and they do a great job and they get all the bonuses and then the retention marketeers are incentivized to retain those customers and they have an absolute nightmare and don't get any bonuses and leave because the acquisition marketeers have in essence brought the customers they said subscribe to this product and i'll send you 50 quid marks and spencers voucher or you know there's 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 no there's no real effort to sell the true value proposition of the product. Uh, and in a good welcome and onboarding program, what you're trying to do is a couple of things really. You're trying to deliver on the value that you offered the customer in the first place uh, when they uh, decided to uh, part with their money to join you. And the welcome and onboarding process is designed to allow the customer to extract value from that decision immediately. Yep. And if yep. they do, they think well of you uh, and retention goes up but the flip side of that is you also get to understand them a bit better so they're in they're interacting with you they're engaging with you which allows you to get to know the customer better and as you get to know the customer better you can start to personalize the experience the customer feels more valued uh, and again that's then reflected in the retention rate so i think to answer your question the most important part that i often focus on and i encourage my clients to focus on is the onboarding and welcome program because if it feels coherent it means that the acquisition marketing is coherent with the retention marketing and the product proposition if all of those three things are nicely joined together and coherent which can only happen which, which is the secret to a good onboarding and welcome program then you've got a good product a good acquisition marketing program and a good engagement and retention program Put all three of those together you've got a good business so it's a good place to look. I like that uh, kind of uh, finishing statement there. The three of those gets you a good business. Um, look, I think uh, as, as terms of lifetime value um, and talking about that as a theme, I think uh, it's great to kind of finish on that note. I, I kind of picked out some of the things that you said there and I'm just going to recap them now. Um, I think one of the key things here is don't think about lifetime value as, as, a, as a whole customer throughout their whole journey with uh, with said company because it might be like 30 years think of it over a period of time 
when are you going to get that kind of marketing spend back the cost of acquisition back and how that's going to work um some of the key metrics we've looked here renewal rates that's one of the key metrics in the lifetime value um, calculation but most importantly probably is first retention that is a is a really key kind of um, metric to look at but also alongside that the first impression is vital if you're going to concentrate on something make the onboarding and welcome program great and then that's going to help um, kind of move that forward and uh, my last one is uh, kind of the ideal lifetime value versus cost of acquisition and uh, this is embedded in my head now three to one and uh, yeah, even even if my, as I said, pea brain is able to understand this, then uh, I, I think we're on to a winner there. Um, so from from the from the position of uh, and the theme of, of lifetime value, thank you very much for that great kind of lightning talk there, and uh, good informative understanding of of what that is and how that um, relates to different businesses. I got a couple of uh, random questions that i'm going to ask you and i'm going to start uh, asking these to every kind of um every kind of interview that i do on this podcast um first one is we're, we're building out our coffee club playlist um can you name an upbeat song that we can add to that i'll give you a song that makes me smile there we go uh, every time i hear it because it's uh, it's by a band called the scatterlights scatterlights and it's called eastern standard time it's a scar song scatterlights look at that i will make sure that is added um and it's on the zephyr coffee club playlist um <laughs> which will be sent out on a link um second one if we were going to a bar um yeah. and it was a uh, a thursday night drink in london and uh you had to go and order a, a tipple what would it be uh you can get this drink in london now it's um it's a beer it's a lager made by uh uh a local brewer near me in kent it's called curious brew um it's really nice really nice light lager nice no. summer lager actually I, oh, oh, so yeah have have a pint of that and listen to um the scatter lights <laughs> look at that there we go that's uh, that's yeah, what right. we're, we're doing there <laughs> and um last question from me um how can any listeners get in touch with you um to find out more about what you're doing in lifetime value um, well, go and have a look at our website, www.thebigwheelconsultancy.com um, or email me at julian at thebigwheelconsultancy, all one word, dot com. Perfect. Look, Julian, well, it's great speaking to you. Um, I know we're all locked up in lockdown at the moment, um, <laughs> but uh, we've got a bank holiday weekend coming up uh, in front of us. Uh, but look, a uh, pleasure to speak to you, pleasure to connect. And uh, thank you very much for being on the Zephyr podcast sessions. Thanks, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.